Good morning. All things Jesus. That was the final point that I preached on a sermon one year ago today, one year ago this weekend, October 6, 2019, when our church celebrated a 50th anniversary of this meeting. Here we are one year later, and I still find it urgent that we keep this focus in front of our lives, all things Jesus. So we pull back from the study in 1 Peter for just today to recalibrate and to refocus on the fact that everything that we do as a ministry, even as individuals, is all for the purpose of glorifying Jesus Christ and staying focused purely and intensely upon him. All the programs, all the activities, and all the attendance, every aspect of who we are as Christians revolves around one truth, and that is the truth of Jesus Christ. Our purpose is but one, Jesus. And so all things Jesus. And this morning, I'd like to give you four practical reminders of a life that truly follows Jesus. Four very practical reminders to make certain that in our lives, it is truly all about Jesus Christ. So what are these reminders about a life that follows Jesus? First, Following Jesus is more about who he is than what we do. Let me say that again. Following Jesus is more about who he is than what we do. Uh, We look in John chapter 1, the gospel of John, the first chapter, at an incredible story of, of someone that we know as John the Baptist. John the Baptist is preaching. And he is in a region uh, south of the Jordan River. In fact, the scripture says just beyond the river, near a little place called Bethany, John the Baptist is preaching. In the Gospel of Matthew, we're told that he's in the Judean wilderness, this very thinly populated area, but an area that was so significant for the uh, proclamation of Jesus And John is preaching repentance and baptism. And he is, uh, in the words of the prophet, pointing all things toward Jesus Christ. And while he's preaching, in fact, a third consecutive day of his preaching, uh, there is something very unique that happens. And I want to read from John chapter 1, verse 35. And again, the next day, John the Baptist is standing there with two of his disciples. And he saw Jesus passing by. Uh, The Baptist looks at his disciples and says, Look, behold the Lamb of God. Following Jesus is more about who he is than what you or I can do. Notice that John identified Jesus as the Lamb of God. Earlier in verse 29, John gave the same emphasis, the Lamb of God. But then he adds, who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is defined by John the Baptist as the one, the only one, who can take our sins away. Only through Jesus Christ can we know forgiveness. And and only through Jesus can all that is wrong and broken be, be corrected and made whole for all eternity. So, yes, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But John also had earlier commented in verse 31 that he came to be revealed to Israel. This is a description of God fulfilling his covenant with his own people. And so not only is Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, 
But Jesus fulfills all the promises of God. And then John also said that he has come and, and he is the one who will, who will baptize with the, with the Spirit. And so Jesus is the one that gives us the, the Holy Spirit, that sends the Spirit of God to dwell within our lives. Oh yes, he is the Lamb of God. He's the one that takes sin away. He's the one that fulfills God's promises. And he's the one that fills our lives and, and truly makes all things new. So notice that John said to those standing close to him, Behold the Lamb of God. When they heard the Lamb of God, they remembered all of these descriptions John had earlier made about Jesus. But they also perhaps thought about the sacrificial lamb offered in the temple for the, for the forgiveness and cleansing of man's sin. Perhaps they also thought about the, the Passover lamb wherein the blood was, was placed on the doorpost. We see that story in Exodus chapter 12. And so the significance of Jesus being noted as the Lamb of God fulfilled every aspect of God's love for for you and, and for me. His death on the cross and his resurrection fulfilled all that God desired so that you and I could have new life, so that we could have sins forgiven and be made brand new. All of this is indicated by the phrase, the Lamb of God. But what I find most significant, second to that reference is that John said to those who were, who were near him, Behold the Lamb of God. The word behold here actually indicates a, an intense gaze to carefully observe. So John said to those who were noted ha- as his own disciples, Look, observe. John is moving the attention off of himself and, and onto Jesus. So following Jesus is more about who he is than what we do. Now certainly as we respond to Jesus, our lives become lives of commitment to him. And so we certainly demonstrate that commitment and that dedication through, through the, the activity of our faith. But following Jesus is not simply building up a list of good deeds Following Jesus is not simply about an ideal picture of good religious activity. Following Jesus is about who Jesus is and then our lives respond to who he is. I'm recalling in my mind Romans chapter 3 verse uh, verse 28 or excuse me verse 38 where we're reminded that we are justified apart from the works of the law. Do you remember in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we're reminded that by, by grace we are saved through faith. It is not of ourselves. And so we need to be so careful that we are not building up good works in our lives like hay and straw and, and, and rubble, but that we are truly seeing Jesus for who he is and then indeed following him. So yes, following Jesus is more about who he is than, than what we do, yet our lives indeed respond actively to who he is. Uh, the late, and I might add great, Ravi Zacharias observed this. Faith is confidence in the person of Jesus Christ and in his power, so that even when his power does not serve my end, my confidence in him remains because of who he is. All focus 
upon who Jesus Christ is. Following Jesus is more about who he is than any good deed that we could perform in our lives. A a second reminder, a second practical reminder for a life of one that follows Jesus. Following Jesus is about turning and remaining. Now we continue in this present story. Notice verse 37. After John the Baptist said to his own disciples, look, the Lamb of God. And then we read this. Those two disciples heard John the Baptist and they followed Jesus. Now, the scripture indicates that John the Baptist had followers who, who adhered to his teaching and preaching about the coming Messiah. John's purpose here, the Baptist, his purpose here is to point all things to Christ. Even those that were uh, adhered to John were directed by John himself to say, look at Jesus, do not look at me. And then the scripture says in verse 37, they followed Jesus. The, the tense of that word follow reveals completed action to indicate that they truly resolved we must follow Jesus. Now notice something in the conversation, verse 38 and 39. When Jesus turned and saw these two disciples of John the Baptist following him, Jesus asked them, what are you looking for? Translated, the meaning could be, who are you after? Who exactly are you interested in might be a great translation. What are you looking for? They said to Jesus, Rabbi, which means teacher, we we want to know where you're staying. In answer to Jesus' question, who exactly are you looking for? What exactly are you up to? And their response, although not verbatim, was, well, Jesus, it's you. Tell us where you're staying. So notice that after they resolved to follow, there was a turning from and there was a remaining with. Following Jesus is about turning from former affections and remaining with, abiding with Jesus. Turning from and remaining with. If you were to turn to Acts chapter 19 verses 2 through 7, you would see evidence of those who even after some 20 years still held to the baptism of John. I mean, some 20 years after John was martyred, they're still holding to their identity as having been baptized by John. But these followers of John the Baptist were asked if they knew about the Holy Spirit. They said no. And then they were told, well, you need to understand that Jesus is the one that is our focus. And so that scripture in Acts 19 tells us they were then baptized in the name of Jesus. Don't be like those followers of John the Baptist who become caught in the almost. Do you understand what this means? My dad used to say over and over again, life is not like horseshoes. Almost doesn't count. There were those that followed John the Baptist and they were satisfied with staying there. And a couple of decades later, they realized they had fallen short. They were close. But what they needed to resolve was that their own lives must pursue Jesus, not just those who talk about Jesus. Their own lives must desire the Christ, not just an experience about the Christ. 
And so, oh, how important it is to turn from. John the Baptist said to two of his disciples next to him, Behold the Lamb of God. As if he were telling them, turn from me and go and follow him. Following Jesus is all about turning and and remaining. Turning from our former affections and remaining or abiding in Jesus Christ. Oh, I love John 15, 4 that, that tells us about abiding in Christ as the branch abides in the vine. And we are told by Jesus himself that the only way that the branch can have life is by abiding in the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch, abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so, oh, true life is in Jesus. True life is not in simply participating in activity about Jesus. A true life is in knowing Jesus personally. I love that with every record we have from the scriptures of those who were called to follow Jesus, they turned from. You remember, you see in the scripture that classic scene of the fishermen turning from their nets to follow Jesus. We are called to turn from those affections, even if those affections really seem good, like following John the Baptist. But oh, how we must turn from anything uh, that is not Jesus and place our affections on him with a desire to abide in him. I love this quote from Tim Keller. I'd love to share it with you. If Jesus is really God, he can't just be a supplement. We have to come to him and say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to let you start a complete reordering of my life. I'd like to ask you if you have truly allowed Jesus to reorder every part of your life. There's no way to say, I follow Jesus, and yet stay where you are. Following Jesus involves turning from and, and then following him and remaining with him, desiring him, abiding in him. There's a third practical reminder for a life that follows Jesus. As we continue to be reminded of those practical facts that allow us to make all things about Christ. A third practical reminder for a life that follows Jesus Following Jesus represents your gospel story. You may be asking yourself at this moment, I didn't know I had a gospel story. Oh, yes, you do. Now, notice something in verses 40 and 41. We pick up on this same story, and this time the shift is off the unnamed disciples of John, and now we, we see a few of the disciples of Jesus named. But one represents both. Beginning in verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. If you look back at verse 35, there are mentioned two disciples standing with John. One of those two is Andrew. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two that heard John say, Behold the Lamb of God. So what did Andrew do? He first, such an important word here in verse 41, Andrew first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah. Verse 42, and Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Following Jesus represents your gospel story. Your gospel story is your identification with Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And then you living life from that truth 
becomes your gospel story. We no longer live according to our stories. Our lives are not a lived out autobiography where the most important feature is that we fulfill all the dreams and desires that are birthed in our own hearts. No, our story is now a gospel story if indeed we're following Jesus because for all things to be about Jesus indicates that we live from the very truth that Jesus has indeed changed us and, and saved us. When, when Andrew met Jesus and realized he is the Lamb of God, then he first went to his brother Simon and said, Hey, I've, I've found the Christ. And, and Andrew took his brother to Jesus. Oh, Andrew lived out that gospel story. Andrew was like an intermediary. He had served as an intermediary uh, even after this event. I remember in, in, in John chapter 6, the feeding of the 5,000, Andrew was there when the little boy's lunch was revealed to Jesus. And in John chapter 12, verse 22, Andrew was there when two Greeks who had entered Jerusalem for the festival were seeking to find Jesus. Andrew seemed to find himself in this place of always bringing people to Jesus and that becomes our gospel story as it was for Andrew. Following Jesus is living out our gospel story so that others can also know the Christ that has changed us. John Stott once commented, so much so-called testimonies today are really autobiographies. And sometimes they are thinly disguised self-advertisements. But what we really need is to regain a proper biblical perspective that all testimonies and all stories of who we are in Christ or about Jesus and, a, and about what Christ has done. So let's not live our autobiographies. Let's live the gospel story. If indeed Christ has changed you, you have that gospel story. Galatians 2.20 is a summary of, of a gospel story of the Apostle Paul. And Paul wrote in that verse, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. If you were to look at that verse and take all of Paul's personal references to himself out and add your name, you would have a summary of your gospel story. You have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you in the life which you now live. You live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself up for you. That's your story. That's the foundation of your gospel story. Now take that fact with this question. How has that fact that Jesus has changed you, how has that remolded and reshaped your life? That becomes your gospel story. That should be lived out and, and should be told. And, oh, yes, following Jesus represents our gospel story. There's a final reminder, a practical reminder for a life that follows Jesus. If all things are about Jesus, and they are, then, oh, we need these reminders. Here's a fourth reminder. Following Jesus, this is so, so real and simple. Following Jesus represents your spiritual growth. Now, I want to look at verse 42 just once more, and we conclude here. In verse 42, we read that Andrew, as we heard earlier, brought Simon to Jesus. And when Jesus saw Simon, he said, you're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means rock. I love this fact that 
even before anyone who knew Peter understood the depth of his name, Jesus saw forward. He saw several decades forward when Peter would preach. And Peter would even eventually lay down his life as a martyr. Peter became this rock. Not without a journey through failures and disappointments, but nonetheless, Peter became this rock of commitment, this rock of demonstrating the the truth of Christ. And here, on the front end of Peter's journey, Jesus saw the finished product. Please understand that following Jesus, uh, that journey is about your growth spiritually. In Luke 2.52, we're told that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature with God and with man. Jesus, in his complete deity and perfection, mirrored for you and for me the importance of our lives spiritually growing. I love in Ephesians 4.14, we are told not to be as children who were tossed about with every doctrine, but we are to mature. We are to be as spiritual adults. We are to grow up in our Faith. Hebrews 6.1 reminds us to leave the elementary teachings and to press toward maturity. Following Jesus is about growing spiritually. I, I often meet individuals who will say, I'm really not a true follower of Jesus. I'm just not, just not one that's, that's growing. I don't feel like I'm mature. I don't feel like I've I've arrived, and I, and I quickly remind them, well, of course you've not arrived. That's why you're following Jesus. Following doesn't mean I have accomplished. Following means I desire to grow. I desire to press toward Christ. And so, yes, following Jesus is that we are in a process of growing spiritually where our hearts are becoming less and less concerned about Our lives, we lay aside that autobiography, we grasp our gospel story, and we follow Jesus to grow after the one who gave himself for us. The Chinese bamboo tree, I'm sure you were wondering this in your mind, the Chinese bamboo tree has a unique life of growth. Most science tells us that this tree seems to be dormant for as much as four years, as if there's no growth. Although rooted, for four years, this little tree seems to have no growth. But, but then science tells us in the fifth year of the Chinese bamboo, the, the shoot will go up some 60 to 90 feet in 60 days or less. Isn't that amazing? That what looks like no growth will suddenly have this surge of growth. But the constant is the little tree remained rooted and grounded and nourished. Remain rooted, rooted, grounded, and nourished. And understand that your growth is God's business. He will grow you through his spirit, through his word, through your hunger for Christ. He will grow you. Be like that little Chinese bamboo. You, you allow your creator to worry about your growth. You simply realize that following Jesus is about growth. You seek after him and trust that God will grow you as you're seeking him. So we have these four very practical reminders concerning a life that follows Jesus. How can we make all things about Jesus? My prayer is that every fall, we as a church will slow down as we begin another year of ministry and that we'll realize we need to recalibrate, we need to reorient ourselves on this one truth. All things are about Jesus. 
Oh, I pray that you know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. And if you do, I pray that you're following him with these reminders that following him is more about who he is than what we do. Following him is about turning from former affections and remaining, abiding in him. Following represents our gospel story that we've been changed and now we live with our lives dedicated to Jesus. And then following is about our spiritual growth. Oh, I pray that you'll not simply be one that admires Jesus, but the one who truly follows him. Many are those who look to the truth of Jesus and say, wow, that's great and that's good. And I, I celebrate that truth, but admirers never really follow. In fact, a Danish philosopher and theologian, Soren Kierkegaard, wrote these words. Those who only admire the truth of Jesus will, when danger appears, become traitors to that truth. Admiring the truth instead of following is, is dubious and never lasts. Christ never asked for admirers or adherents. He actually, in his ministry, never even asked for worshipers. He constantly spoke these words, follow me. He asked for followers and disciples. Today, don't just see yourself as an adherent to religion. Don't simply practice good things, uh, hoping that you'll come close. The, the only answer to life is in Jesus Christ. Turn to him, trust him. The scripture says if we confess him as Lord and, and if we repent of our sins, he will save us. We'll receive his gift of grace and mercy and salvation and, and we'll be his for eternity. And that abundant life becomes ours when we trust him. Scripture warns us against uh, honoring Jesus with our lips and, and not our hearts. Oh, don't be one that admires. Don't be one that just speaks about Jesus with your lips. Give him your heart today. Trust him. There's no other way to follow him than to make all things about him. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you do that today? You can simply pray, Jesus, I believe in you. I repent of my sins, I turn to you. And I confess you as Savior and Lord. I, I commit my life to you. You can pray that prayer today and, and I know Jesus will hear you. He'll, he'll save you. Right now, there's a texting number on the screen. You can use that number. There's also a website location. Use that, reach out to us. We'll reach right back and we'll encourage you. Now today, if you know Jesus and you've been struggling with following because uh, the culture presses in and discourages you and maybe at times it, it seems easier just to lip service or, or just to admire from a distance. Oh, may God give us an opportunity. He loves us so much. May he give us, each of us today, an opportunity to repent from any activity that's been less than what Jesus deserves. And may we recommit to truly following Jesus. How do we make all things about Jesus? Follow him with all of your heart. Love you a lot. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for speaking to our hearts today through this incredible story of, of how someone like John the Baptist pointed all things to, to Jesus. Lord, may that be our lives today. We, we have so many good activities and events and projects in which we're involved. But Father, nothing matters to you unless we make all things about Jesus. Guide our hearts closer to you as we return to that deep commitment of following you 
with all of our heart. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And together we said, amen. Love you a lot. Thanks for joining us. See you soon.